And so instead of fixating, as I did in my earlier years, especially starting Energis, on the size of the fund and how big, and that was setting myself up to fail. Instead, I shifted gears and I said, what if I'm a pebble, just a little humble pebble? And what if the pebble gets thrown into a body of water with good intention and that those ripples create more impact than I could have ever dreamed? Welcome to the Superhero Academy podcast. I'm your host, Archangel. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and I feel I feel just so stoked to be back in the podcast studio. I, I like I, it's spring; it's spring 2022, but it feels like summer outside. And I've got an amazing guest, somebody who I've connected with um, on multiple levels, from breath work that we did at an event that was hosted at your place, uh, all the way to uh, talking about entrepreneurship, talking about investing, talking about so many different layers of things that we're doing today. Stefan Wachnin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to kind of um, hear more about your story, hear more about you, hear more about the things you're passionate about and talk about things that I know you're working on, right? So before we dive in just real quick, I do want to point out that Stefan is, well, he's multifaceted, right? I mean, your, your Instagram says green energy investor, lover of the world, yoga enthusiast. Uh, and I definitely know you're a breathwork uh, enthusiast as well. So obviously, um, you've been involved in, in, in everything from tech startups uh, and exits, as well as like green tech investing. And I mean, I think you've had, from my perspective, a shift in your reality, a shift in your story. But I would love to hear yeah, who are you? Who you know? How did you, how did you get here? How did you become a breathwork guy? How did you become yeah. a green you know, investor and all that stuff? Green or clean tech investor? Well, I'm really happy to be here. I feel a great sense of alignment with you, and it was my pleasure. Um, I have always been an entrepreneurial guy. I've always been a creator of reality or of my own reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of started to realize that that's artistic, that that actually means that I'm an artist. And the fact that I liked doing art when I was a kid or that I love doing five rhythms dance now or that I paint or that I cook very creatively mm. are all signs that I'm an artistic person or a creative creator. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's, you know, kind of... Um, I guess that's consistent with having been an entrepreneur. I, mm-hmm. I grew up with visions of being impactful in the world. I wanted to make a difference. I cared about social impact. So my entry into entrepreneurship wasn't with the end goal to just make money. My entry into entrepreneurship was I want to make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in McGill University, I had a startup in clothing because that's what I knew from my father. <laughs> so I started a you know a line called Sharp and Fuzzy, oh, which was wow. surfwear and like skaterwear, and we built it up to the point where it had significant revenues and it had customers across the country, including large chains. And I had to make a decision when I was graduating McGill. Do I really want to be in the fashion industry? And I really didn't because like half the customers don't pay. (laughs) (laughs) Fashion is a very difficult industry. It's a tough industry, but it was cool. And it's what I knew. And the entrepreneurial uh, path that I was taking, you know, putting stuff in my Volkswagen GTI, you know, samples and in between courses at McGill running to like show the samples to a customer Mm -hmm. uh, was a great experience. But when I graduated, I went to live in Israel where... High tech is the thing. And Mm -hmm. I 
was a part of three really successful um, tech companies that I founded and co-founded. Um, and the first one went public in London and the second one was acquired by a NASDAQ company and the third one was acquired by a NASDAQ company. And I was, you know, I was really, really enthralled with the process of building a company, of building its products, of building its team, of financing it, of uh, building strategic partnerships, of getting it to a point where you'd be such a nuisance to your competitors that they would want to buy you out. Mm. You know, at the beginning, they try to swat you away like a fly. But when you stick around and you continue to progress and you have better technology and you start winning important customers, then you're a known entity and they have to deal with you. And eventually it leads to an, M an m a of some sort. Mm -hmm. So I did that three times in a row and I was getting good at the whole process. I was making, you know, mistakes and then I was learning from my mistakes Um and, you know, if you want to go into mistakes later, I'm happy to talk about my bruises because we've all had them. But I got to a point um, of, of capital efficiency that I was like, okay, now I'm all about doing more with less money. Initially, mm -hmm. I thought, let's raise a lot of money and let's blow it and make it really big. As I, uh, as I got older, I started to realize that if you could do more with less money, you'd be less diluted, you'd control the outcome better, mm -hmm. and you'd build a more beautiful... Um, a more beautiful company and be able to impact the lives of your employees better. And upon exit, you you do better financially because you were less diluted. Totally. So that was it. And then after those three companies, I figured I know how to do this. So I'd like to start a fund so that I can have a whole portfolio of companies and management teams. And I set, I set out to build Energist Ventures as a large private equity fund in clean tech. Mm -hmm. I had been in telecom, but I decided to move into clean tech and clean tech was because I have a love of nature and because the uh, entrepreneur in me who can smell an opportunity saw that climate change was going to become a really big problem and that the solutions to climate change had everything to do with ingenuity, with innovation, that we could not subsidize our way out of this problem with government money, governments who are so indebted to begin with. So mm -hmm. And lagging the entire problem, I mean... Traditionally, obviously, yeah. there's huge lobby issues. Uh, you know, the old world also has its its fingers or its tentacles in in trying to not paradigm shift, trying to not necessarily innovate because they've already established their their moat and their trench that they they want to earn from. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then something started to happen. It wasn't happening the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And I was fresh off my third exit, and I thought I was the best entrepreneur in the world. And I was so busy pounding my chest that I didn't see, um, I didn't read the tea leaves around me well. Mm. First time fund manager, new industry, um, clean tech already didn't have a great reputation. A lot of funds didn't do well in clean tech because it Absolutely. was super capital, uh, capital intensive. intensive. Yep. And I was coming in going, exactly, I have the solution. And my solution is to be a hybrid fund that would fund projects and tech companies who would supply the projects. Mm. Nobody was really doing that because these are two asset classes. And what I didn't realize is that when you want to raise a very large fund and you're dealing with institutional investors who are very risk averse, they will say like, that's a great idea, but isn't it a conflict of interest? Uh, I'm only mandated to invest in this one asset class. So either only projects or only tech companies, but never the two shall meet. Mm. But we totally agree with you that the problem is commercialization. The tech companies who take money from VCs 
aren't commercializing. And so we're not doing as well as we could be in rolling out renewable energy, agricultural technology, uh, water technology, electrified transport, battery technology. We're not doing it well enough, fast enough to avert disaster on climate mm -hmm. because these things are not commercializing well. And you seem to have a solution to that because if you're owning a project and you use products and you give them references, those companies will grow and there will be more such projects. Mm -hmm. Great job, Stefan. Can you invest? Sorry, st we cannot invest. Mm. Why can you not invest? Because we are in a matrix. Because we are... You didn't fit the box. You didn't tick boxes for us in the way we need to tick them. Mm. And so as I was getting this cold shower, having invested millions of dollars of my own money, I started to feel misaligned. I started to feel anxious. I started to feel... Is this really me? Who am I as a human being? I started to lose sight of who I was as a person. Mm. And it manifested in physical ways in my body. For the first time in my life, I felt anxiety. I mm. was a confident, popular person. In high school, in university, in my 20s, my whole life. And I hit 40 and I was, you know, feeling panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I was getting nervous in tunnels and bridges with traffic. I was literally feeling sometimes like I was reeling out of control because I couldn't make this thing happen exactly the way I had envisioned it. And I know that I'm the you know hero in my hero's journey and I know all of the nice slogans to say, but sure, the truth the is memes. I know the memes and I know the hashtags, mm -hmm. but in reality I was feeling like I was reeling. And so I, I started to embark upon a path out of necessity out of survival um in you know in in different wellness and spiritual modalities i found yoga i found the yoga mat i found an island of calm and peace that nothing could hurt me on in the yoga mat i found meditation mm -hmm. i found various types of meditation i rediscovered that i love dancing and i sort of you know, I, I owned the way I want to dance, wearing yoga pants and free form and not, you know, put your leg here and your arm here mm -hmm. and not wear an uncomfortable suit at a wedding. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, it's going to be like ecstatic dancing and it's going to flow and it's going to be cathartic and it's going to shake up the energy that needs shaking up. And then the game changer. Then I found breathwork. Mm. And the breathwork gave me a tool to um, combat any anxiety that might start to come on. You know, you feel early onset anxiety, you have a tool because it attacks you in your chest and in your breathing and in your energetic field. And so I started learning this holotropic, cyclical, open mouth, deep breathing technique that did a lot more than just make me feel calm. It started to connect me in a very real way to source energy to the mm -hmm. bigger energy that exists out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess re-empowering myself to be at one with all that is instead of being in my own little mind and in my own little frustrations and my own little why won't this work mm -hmm. and why don't they see and why don't they understand. Mm -hmm. And I loved it so much and it was so transformative for me that, and I changed my, my, my relationship with money, I changed my relationship with chasing Mm -hmm. I no longer handed out any business cards. I was no longer a hunter. 
whoever came whenever it was a fuck yes, <laughs> that's when we did the business. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't, then we didn't. Mm -hmm. And it created a law of attraction. And I was able to build an entire portfolio of projects, of tech companies. We even exited um, profitably, distributed profits, and proved out that our model, which was logical to begin with, actually works. And then I started offering Breathworks as well. I started wanting to give the gift back and being in retreats and leading retreats and doing festivals and doing one-on-ones and doing, you know, corporates and doing these various um, formats in which I can hand off the medicine mm -hmm. uh, and hold space for people who are going through things. Mm. So, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of my journey is like, and, and I'm still on it. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. I think we all are, right? I mean, we're always learning so much about self-mastery. We're always finding ways where we're triggered or places where we're triggered. We're always finding places where we're suffering. We're always finding as we age, our, 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 our motivations change, what we're looking for changes, and our relationships change, whether that be with people or, like you said, with money or, or whatever. Um I'm curious, and I, I would love to go back on on some of the the path. I would love to hear more about Energis and, and the kinds of companies that you are now funding and, and managing a fund is is fascinating to me. Like I, I'm the type of person who, right now, I feel like I'm learning what it means to even be an investor, both in um, community, both in and, and community, but also in projects that I think have like the double ROI. Right? I love to say the, you know the other ROI as well, which is return on investment ripple of impact, right? How do those two things truly actually happen? And for me, my my thought process is always around like long-term thinking. How can I make a decision now that actually has a huge long-term upside? And for me and for my community, for the people around me, I even extend that community even being Montreal, right? Like I, I, I you could be anywhere in the world right now and probably would actually serve you to probably be able to raise a bigger fund and do all kinds of other things if you weren't in Montreal in some ways. Because Montreal has, well, this is maybe my own limiting belief, but it has it has a very different mentality and it's a very different regulatory systems and very different challenges that come with that. But, you know, before all of that, I really want to stick to kind of the, um, the element of anxiety and the element of, of how you discovered yoga, meditation, breath work. Because I, I mean... Not everyone who essentially is a tech founder in, in communications has this, what I'll call a spiritual awakening, right? I, spiritual can, can be religious. It doesn't have to be religious. I don't think you take it that way, at least, or that's not may, maybe the way you express yourself in it. But the idea being very few people have that shift. Very few people mm -hmm. realize, oh, you know what? I can take all this resource and wealth and I can take the money that I made from exits where you could go and buy yourself a, you know, a mansion and, and go live the life. You don't have to necessarily take on more at that stage. And I think a lot of people would probably try and go live that good life, so to speak. And yet I, I feel like the definition of good life changed for you mm. probably through the discovery of these these practices or modalities. So, I mean, how did you get exposed to yoga? How did you get exposed to breath work in the first place? Was it you go to a retreat or something? Was it like somebody who just came into your life? I, you know, I found breath work through Wim Hof, but I mean, I think others find it through all kinds of different mm -hmm. avenues. What did that look like for you? I love Wim Hof. Breathe it in. There <laughs> it go. Love him. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
I started going 10 years ago to Costa Rica. Mm. And you know, I had been going to different Caribbean locations for vacations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're beautiful. And sure. the water is really nice. And you know, the hotel can be very nice. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's a vacation, in and out, boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. You're back home. Mm -hmm. You got a tan. Mm -hmm. The tan fades. Mm -hmm. Something happened when I went to Nosara, Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. There was there was a connection to the community. There was a connection to the land. There was a connection to the energy, to the source energy that I felt that was palpable. And there were masters of their various uh, modalities and crafts in mm -hmm. Nosara, real true masters, the best yogis, mm -hmm. the best people in terms of astrology, mm -hmm. the best people with crystals, the best people that are energy workers, the best mesotherapists, they come from all over the world, mm -hmm. and they're also locals. Ticos, mm -hmm. you know, people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And really authentic, you know, not doing it for, you know, the social media post, not mm -hmm. doing it for the likes and follows, mm -hmm. not Tulum. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, it felt not for the gram. really authentic and true. One, one, uh, way that I like to describe it is I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when you go running anywhere in the world, men may acknowledge each other or they may not. It depends on how warrior they're feeling sure. that day. But men maybe make eye contact and nod. Women tend to look away. There is a distrust. There's just a general, eh, I don't know, maybe the guy's going to turn around and run after me. There's just a vibe of Stay distrust. Stay in the bubble. Stay in the bubble, disconnection mm. and you know sometimes also dogs will will mm -hmm. be aggressive when you run i've mm -hmm. been chased by dogs in different parts mm -hmm. of the world so there's an aggression that the dogs can exhibit nosara has something very interesting you go for a run and every man woman and child and beast has a smile everybody greets you with eye contact everybody you know, kind of reverberates that um, disarmed, pure love. And I know it sounds like I'm just sugarcoating it, but it's true. It's really no, I, like I, that. I've been to Nasara and I've been to Costa Rica many times it's over many years. It, it is just a different lifestyle. Oh, and the amazing. Pura Vida is a real thing, like yeah. I, in, in every way. I mean, it, it has its downsides if you want to get something done on a specific moment. Yeah. But I mean, but I would say that for the most part, it's a very... Um, it's just a different drumbeat. Yeah. And they just they just care about humans and nature and the connection between all of that. And they're just living at a pace that particularly I feel on the East Coast here of, of North America, at least. Um, we just don't get, we don't yeah. feel that here. So there's, you know, Nosara is a very yoga and surf town. Totally. So I discovered, you know, I discovered yoga really and truly over there. Any previous little yoga experiences I had had, I didn't like. And then something just clicked for me over there. Maybe it was the people and the location, and maybe it was I was ready. Mm -hmm. It was the moment in my life that I was ready to begin Both. that practice. Mm -hmm. And maybe it I had been broken enough that my, with you know the frustrations of how things weren't happening exactly like I wanted them to happen, that I created some space inadvertently for the humility it takes to get into yoga. Mm -hmm. Because in yoga, you can be 
Mr. You know, super fit guy, but it's going to work different areas of strength. It's Mm going to expose where you're inflexible and your physical limitations and inflexibilities are wonderful metaphors and, and mirrors for your metaphysical inflexibilities, for your spiritual inflexibilities. So when you, when you get on that mat in a place like Nosara, you begin to learn that there's an ebb and a flow to things in life, that you're not going to touch your toes on <laughs> Thursday when you started on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That, that it's going to take the time, that your heels will come down in Downward Dog when they're ready to come down. <laughs> and you're not going to force your biomechanics on anybody. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to stop deluding yourself and stop being a human doing and start to be a human being. Mm-hmm. Just be. and Just mm-hmm. let it happen and get out of the way. And feel all the emotions that come with that. The frustrations, the last week I was more flexible, somehow this week I'm not... This week I feel like I can't do this. Now yeah. I can. Blah, blah, like all the ups and downs of that entire experience. Like in one yoga session, yeah. you can you can live a, a a lifetime of emotions in a weird way. And and, 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 the, and the tears that the come up and, that and the tears that come up in in shavasana sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting that you should say in one yoga session you can have a lifetime of things because in fact every yoga session is a lifetime with the metaphor of corpse pose at the end mm-hmm. and then rebirth in uh, fetal position at the end end to begin, mm-hmm. to, to re-begin. So it really is meant to um, be a mini death of sorts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. permit a rebirth. Mm-hmm. And there's a cyclicality to things. There's humility to it. So that was where I discovered it. I deepened my practice over many years. And like I say, it led me to many other wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And so in that, I mean, like, okay, so being an entrepreneur, particularly when you're a startup entrepreneur, you're at the beginning of your, your, your career, your first company that you scaled and exited, for example, there's a, there's health in having some level of being naive like, I can change everything and the world could change. I, I experienced that with the farm. I'm like, I'm going to change the entire world by starting this farm and changing the way that everyone thinks about everything. Um, and there's also support in having a bit of an ego because you kind of have to drive forward for you, for the employees that are working with you, for your investors, for the customers that you have of the business. I mean, there's so much, there's so much riding on you showing up and executing in every state, in every time, okay, throw down the caffeine, you know what I mean? Like whatever it takes, right? And I think there's beauty to that journey. I think there's beauty in actually having that experience and then also eventually finding something like yoga, breathwork, you know, so on, because the contrast couldn't be more clear, right? Like the contrast between what it's like to be an entrepreneur and to like consistently have text messages and emails and, and requests and people asking you to make decisions to then being, and particularly when you're taking a yoga class, like literally following the instructions, like I'm not deciding where I'm going next. I'm not deciding when this stops and starts. I'm not deciding all of those different things. I, the only decision I had was I showed up. And then I have the decision throughout the entire practice of, do I try and go a little bit deeper? Do I try and surrender a little bit more? And I think the key word there is surrender. Because I find the more you surrender in these practices, the more benefit you get from all of it. And and that surrender is, you know, ver verba, 
you know, a surrender of your ego, a surrender into humility, a surrender into like, I'm moving through energy and I'm using energy within my body, either it's stuck in my body and letting it and releasing it in certain cases, or I'm building up energy to kind of exude it or to hold it. I mean, it, it could go in every direction. And what I love about even the idea of like the word energist and the idea behind you being kind of a, you know, somebody who's come from the world of, of understanding money, understanding tech, understanding um, now investing and all the things that relate to that. That's really what being an investor is. That's really what a being an entrepreneur is, is actually moving energy and just doing it on a collective level, right? Totally. And so in many ways, it feels to me that like we're living the balance between, or when we're a group doing breathwork or a group doing yoga, we are collectively moving energy. We are collectively doing the exact same thing that a group of people on Wall Street are doing when moving you know, to buy this stock or to invest in this company or do whatever other thing. It's kind of a, a similar path. The difference is that they're, but they seem worlds apart, mm. right? Like, is it, have you started now to see the pains or see the, like kind of the links back to, to the old world that you used to mm. live in a sense? Like, and, and see totally. maybe, you know, other colleagues that are still stuck in that world, not seeing this? Absolutely. And I'm very, very, interested in creating containers to hold space in whether it's in retreats uh, other forms of coaching to help people that are going through the things that i went through and to help them navigate you know you've got a lot of people who have supposedly won the game of life made a lot of money but are very unhappy absolutely they're very unhappy they're constantly chasing it's never enough there's many other reasons why they're unhappy mm -hmm. and you know, I, I really do feel called to help them get to a place of balance and be happier and really um, stand in their truth uh, and whatever that truth is. If that means mm -hmm. leaving a relationship that mm -hmm. wasn't working, um, then finding the courage to do that. If that means pivoting in a business that wasn't really aligned for you, then do that. Whatever standing in your truth means, the core of human suffering is the refusal to accept what is. Mm. And so if you, if you can get to a place through different modalities, through the support, through the container, um, you know, you take burnt out people and you elevate them to a place where they can then re-contribute in the most authentic way um, to the collective. And mm. that's really what we're here, to raise the collective vibration in COVID, you saw it very well. There was a collective uh, depreci de depression on, on the vibration, on the, on the universal. I even talked about that on my social media. I said, be aware that there is a universal vibration and that if billions of people are waking up and going to sleep afraid every day, mm -hmm. that can't but have an effect. And we need to raise. We need to, you know, we need to come up with something better not because it's a war, not because we're taking up arms. We just need to be the shining light. What you're doing in Valhalla is a great example. Mm -hmm. You are leading by example. You are showing the way a conscious community can grow food, create community, provide housing, be sustainable, 
and uh, you know a model f- to be replicated. And these are popping up all over the world. Totally. So be the change you want to see in the world is not just a bumper sticker. It's mm-hmm. it's something that you can roll up your sleeves, wake up in the morning, and decide to do consciously. You know, don't define yourself in opposition to things all the time. Just which is, go, which has definitely happened in our which community. Which is what people do. Everybody wakes up and says, what am I against today? Yeah. What if you put that aside and just focused on what you're for? Yes. What are you for today? Mm-hmm. Work towards what you, what makes your heart sing. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely called to do that. But I want to come back to something you said about my earlier days as an entrepreneur. And there was the hustle and there was the, you know, do it at all costs. And I even had failure is not an option as a sign above my door. I can imagine. I, I think that there's so much beauty in the in the duality of things, or not even duality, but in the, you know... Almost in, like the contrast, just a contrast between one... The contrast one between all of these ways of being, because we can have all of them in our vessel, in our bowl, in our body, in our soul, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Not one at the expense of the other, not one must die. Like we talk about the ego... The ego is here for a reason. You have an ego, so it's divine, Mm -hmm. whatever you believe divinity to be. Mm -hmm. It's there as part of the design. Maybe the ego shouldn't be driving every decision that you make or be the absolute driving force or bottom line of the way you are as a person, but it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So the ego is there. The humility is there too. Um, The aggression is there. the The radical acceptance is there. The softness is there with the hardness. The light is there with the darkness. All of those things can exist in one person in the way that they show up. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to make space for all of the different ways that you are sometimes. You can't just be the Zen person mm-hmm. or just be the super, you know, go, go, go person mm-hmm. or just be, you know, the aggressive or the mean or the funny or the whatever. You need to call on those different energies at different times in different situations. Mm-hmm. So where we need, what we really need to do is to zoom out of that little microcosm mm-hmm. and look at what is it that I was put on earth to do? What can I channel through my vessel from the infinite source energy around me in the direction of my own intention, who I am, where my skill sets are? Mm -hmm. Why am I good at these things when my friend is good at those things? Mm -hmm. And focus on that. What lights you up? What makes you happy? Who do you want to be around? How do you want to feel? Mm. And in service to love and truth, just walk in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you'll never be frustrated and it doesn't mean that you won't fail and fall on your face. But if you stay true to who you are and where you're going, then you'll be fine. Hmm. I have a question on that. What do you think you're particularly good at? I would say genius at, but it's hard to self-describe ourselves as what we're genius at in certain moments. And what would you say you're particularly or you've learned that you're particularly not good at or maybe not for you to do like where where's where do you think like the strengths are and where are the blind spots let's say or where are the places where it's like actually i really need to be a follower here yeah i think that i have a vision i can see trends before they occur which helps when you're a clean tech fund or it running helps. A clean tech fund. it helps when you're an entrepreneur in general mm-hmm. i see macro and micro level trends before other people see them. Mm. I see them in the way that certain systems are being set up right now, 
right in front of our faces, but in very discreet and subtle ways that mm-hmm. are being masqueraded as other things. Mm-hmm. And so understanding <laughs> what is being set up is the first step to understanding how to win in, in, in that, whatever winning means to you, how to navigate that, yep. how to be successful in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm good at, at vision. I'm good at um, entrepreneurial tenacity. Mm-hmm. The just keep going, just keep moving forward one step in front of the other. It's no surprise then I guess to myself that I'm a hiker. Mm-hmm. It's like all the metaphor of climbing a mountain, mm-hmm. right? Just keep going, just keep going. So I have that in me. Yeah. I have a very strong tolerance for pain. Mm-hmm. The risk pain, the frustration pain, the financial pain, mm-hmm. all the pain that you feel when you're trying to build something. I know what the um, the joy and euphoria feels like when something that you've worked on, that you've birthed, comes to life, makes a difference, shows impact. I know how that feels. It's incredible. It's 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 maybe one of the best feelings that exists. Mm-hmm. But you cannot have <laughs> the light without the dark. Absolutely. The pain is there. So what am I not good at? I'm not good at the micromanaging. I'm mm. not good at the, you know, I'm not the operational or the um, or the CFO kind of a guy. Mm. I, I, I don't like getting lost in the weeds. Mm. Um, probably similar to you. Mm-hmm. I think that we're both articulate. We both know how to explain concepts and relate to people. We're both people persons. Mm-hmm. We, we have big hearts. We, I, I can speak for myself. I want to help the planet. And at the same time, I want to help one by one individuals. Mm-hmm. They're both equally important to me. Global impact and individual impact are both important to me. That's why I mentor entrepreneurs. That's why I guest lecture at universities. So I'm good with the bedside manner, with the high touch stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not so good with the you know, uh, send me, you know, uh, your 18 point due diligence checklist. And I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have so much fun answering that. Mm-hmm. So over the years, I've had team members that do that. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned that some investors who really, really need to fixate on that aren't just aren't the right investors for me, you know, because I can assure you that things, some things are going to go wrong. Absolutely. So if we're setting it up that nothing can go wrong and we've, you know, created a risk profile around we're it. We're just lying. We're, we're setting ourselves up to be very disappointed. Absolutely. So as long as, you know, the enough good things happen to execute on the vision, then they will mitigate whatever things went wrong because the net net will be way positive. Mm. So, yeah, those mm. are my strengths and weaknesses, I would say. I would say that one of your strengths, I'll add to it, is your self-awareness, right? It's your self-awareness of of those strengths and weaknesses and therefore how they play out, what you can do or not do, where to call upon others, where to step in. Um, I agree that you've definitely got this, you've got a drive for sure. It's felt for me i you know i don't know if it translates to a camera or through through you know a video and here and there it does right <laughs> here and there it does on the on the in the world of instagram or in whatever you know universe the, the digital realm where we get to connect through that but um i feel that 
sometimes, and I love what you said, it matters to me both on the macro scale and the micro scale, right? Because I, I find that when I get too lost in the macro, and I can get really macro, and I would love to talk to you about what you see some of the macro trends are happening and, you know, dive deeper into into those trends because I, I, I approach everything as everything's an ecosystem and there are micro forces in the ecosystem that are happening in a corner of the ecosystem, but then there's these kind of giant trends that are undoubtedly both in service, but also I'll maybe the word that's coming to me today is enslavement, but the, but, in, but I, I see how that's serving us and also hindering us, right? How, how you move though from, okay, here's this macro trend. Here's this macro th- feeling um and then the overwhelm that for me at least comes up when i'm like really way too macro and i'm like okay what what are the implications of of russia and ukraine what are the implications of covid now what are the implications of like what does the future of crypto look like when a stable coin went down like over the last week with luna and ust for those who are following that but the idea being there's so uh, for me it gets really 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 overwhelming so you, you know, talking about like finding breath work and yoga, that's where that happens to me. And that also happens to me sometimes in the micro when I'm involved in too many little details and I'm like, okay, like all of a sudden I'm completely lost on this one thing and I can't see the trees from the forest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I literally cannot find myself in either of those extremes. Mm-hmm. And so what that looks like or what that's manifested for me as I actually don't, I'm not that great at having a, 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 a let's say a breathwork practice or a yoga practice. It definitely helps um, moving my body when I get into workouts or I play soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then for me, that looks like, you know, putting a, opening up a calendar and just sitting in front of it and just like letting ideas come to me forget the tools forget everything else the only tool i have is my calendar open pen and paper okay what are all the things what is everyone asking of me what are all the things i'm asking of me and am i really doing what i want to be doing or or is my ambition and sometimes or you can call you know replace the word ambition with ego driving me way too far forward here and like completely out of whack that's what i think happens to a lot of people who are navigating or kind of constantly running between micro and macro. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that is also true for you? Like what, what overwhelms you? What, what, when you're looking at the world or we're looking at news or looking at whatever, you know, what gets to you where you're like, okay, wait, I need to sit down and go for a run or I need to sit down and breathe or I need to sit down and meditate. Like what, how do you, how do you notice when it's time to actually stop and recalibrate or to stop and rebalance. Okay. Well, first of all, I feel, because I've learned that I have these energetic capabilities mm-hmm. and I feel your energy. So I feel your overwhelm mm-hmm. just as you describe that. So I want to invite us both to put our feet on the ground, put our hands on the table and just kind of <sighs> sink in a little bit and then take a big deep breath in. And as we exhale, I want you to exhale all of that overwhelm out of your body. So let's take a deep breath together in. Okay. And then we're going to take one more, but this time as you exhale, I want you to exhale love 
and healing energies to all of your organs. Okay. So, sinking back in, coming back from that. Mm -hmm. Feel better? Absolutely. Just two breaths. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, first I want to say, even before I answer your question, I want to say that life is meant to be enjoyed. Mm. We can get all caught up in our ambition and decide if we want to call it ego or not. We can get caught up in vision. We can get caught up in execution. We can get caught up in frustration. We can get caught up in relationship stuff. More. We can get caught up in various types of turbulence. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, whatever you believe in terms of past lives and next lives and and all of that wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. You're here in this earthly body for an experience. It's your Mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that you're here to enjoy it. You're here to enjoy it. And the more you enjoy it, the better, you know, um, you'll be of greater service. Mm -hmm. It's a total cliche, but the more you fill up your cup, I think that selfishness has gotten a bad rap. Sure. You know, we've turned it into a derogatory term. We all have to be selfless and live our Mm -hmm. lives for other people and then also be passive aggressive and then (laughs) also be super mean and then also be resentful and hold on to corrosive things and then also come down with cancer. Or maybe we just had it wrong to begin with. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a way to be a form of selfish, a type of permission Mm -hmm. that you give yourself from a place of Mm self-love that can then overflow onto all the other people around you and and the people that should be around you. Because not everybody is an energetic or a vibrational match. Mm -hmm. So... It's not just any old person. It's the right people that will feel that overflow of your cup, of your energy, of your love, of your... so Of your state is the word. Of your like state. To so to come back to your question, it's when you feel that you're out of alignment from that core principle that life is meant to be enjoyed. If you're not enjoying, you should take a step back mm-hmm. and look at it and remind yourself not to sweat the small stuff, that this is just a moment in time, or one term I like to call it, turbulence of the mind. Mm. And just like on an airplane, it will smooth out. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, you think, oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just turbulence of the mind. Mm-hmm. And the mind is just one of the energy centers in your body. Mm-hmm. The one we tend in, in, in our societies to be lopsidedly, energetically heavy on Mm -hmm. we are too much in that chakra but we have other chakras Mm -hmm. are you in your hips are you in your sacrum Mm -hmm. are you wiggling them around are you thrusting forward and backward are you in a birthing or creative mode are you conscious in your sexuality where are you in your heart Mm -hmm. where are you in your throat Mm -hmm. Do you speak your truth or do you say the things that people want to hear so that you can avoid uh, uncomfortable situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there, there is a rebalancing that needs to happen with our energy centers 
got to get out of our overthinking, overly analytical minds. And we've got to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. That everything happens in the right time, right? So we can't force things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how a few deep breaths can just completely state shift, can change the tone at which you speak, can change the tone at which you um, feel, think. I mean, it just changes the entire baseline. Yeah. I've never spoken about this, but I guess I feel like this is true and authentic. I've never spoken about it on social media. I've never said the D word, but in the last couple of years, those who know me know that I've been going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And while I won't get into details here, I will just say that it has been really, really challenging, beautiful at times, but the entire way that I was defining myself as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a community leader, as an important business leader, as an owner of a mansion mm-hmm. who caught himself giving tours of the, <laughs> you know, I would rise up of my body and I would see myself in the third person saying, and let me show you the wine cellar. And, <laughs> let me show, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the energy around that boastfulness around. I forgive myself for it because that home, that house, it represented all of my triumphs and failures as an entrepreneur, all the things I tried to do, all the doors that got slammed in my face. And here it was, you know, on display for all to see a shining stone mansion on the hill in Westmount. But all was not, you know, all was not well. Mm. And to take the decisions to make a shift and to make a change has been so turbulent, so tumultuous, so hard, so painful. And, you know, it's in service to the kind of person I want to be, the kind of life I want to lead. And, you know, even if it means, you know, taking a financial beating, you know, even if it means starting from scratch, I had to learn to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that, I couldn't define myself by zeros in a bank account. I couldn't. If I did, I was leading myself astray. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I know what person I am, no matter what might have been said about me in in, in certain situations. In whatever situation, yeah. I know who I am. I know how I show up. I know how I contribute. I know how I have a good heart and how I try to help people. And I love myself for that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the more I create space um, for that alignment, for that authenticity, the more abundance will rain down upon me, not because I chased it, because I created space for it. That's it. It's going to do its thing. Mm. Whether the abundance is love abundance, whether it's financial abundance, whether it's you know, fun, whether it's dance, any kind of abundance, really, mm-hmm. whether it's new projects, it, it will rain down. I really believe that because I, I create space, because I, 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 I got away from the things like those tours I would give of the house, you know, to, to make space for, you know, how I want to show up as a person. I think a lot about my funeral. I think a lot about who will show up and what will be said, not because of ego, mm-hmm. because I want to know that my time here in this life, in this body, made a difference. 
mm-hmm. that, that, that people felt touched by me, that they felt touched by my energy, by my words, by my love, by my intention, by my, you know, my speeches, by my businesses, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really, really touches the heart when you know, you're giving a speech in Toronto at an event and a guy comes up to you after and says, you know, I uh, waited till everybody rushed the stage to speak to you. I just wanted to tell you, 10 years ago, you guest lectured in my McGill MBA class. And I didn't even speak in that class, but your words about being an entrepreneur moved me deeply. Your words about working in sustainability moved me deeply. And I decided to go against the, uh, the advice of everybody in my life mm-hmm. and go and start my own business and not get, you know, CV building experience first. Mm-hmm. I built a company. I built it on the model of revenue more quickly, worrying about profit margins fast. Don't over dilute yourself. Um, I didn't over dilute my, all the things you told us in the class, Stefan. And I have a company now building clean tech battery technology. It's in Mississauga. I'd love you to see my factory. I have millions in revenue. I own most of the company and I'm impacting lives of employees and I'm proud of myself and I and I really want to thank you because your lecture that day altered my life um, trajectory mm-hmm. that kind of thing comes on a Tuesday afternoon you were not expecting it mm-hmm. that's what I live for mm-hmm. that's what I live for because mm-hmm. you think of yourself as a pebble and that pebble can create ripple effects and so instead of fixating, as I did in my earlier years, especially starting Energis, on the size of the fund and the, how big and <laughs> I'm going to single-handedly cool the planet, I'm going to put on my Superman cape and I'm going to fly around the planet and turn you know, time on its axis so that we get back to a cooler and more sustainable planet, that was setting myself up to fail. Instead, I shifted gears and I said, what if I'm a pebble, just a little humble pebble? And what if the pebble gets thrown into a body of water with good intention and that those ripples create more impact than I could have ever dreamed. Mm. Mm. It's beautifully said. Hmm. Where do you, where do you see the ripples now? Like, you know, you're, you're, so you're running the fund. I know you're doing projects here in Montreal. I know we've spoken about a project, you know, here in Montreal that, that I find particularly exciting and, and kind of relates to the world of sustainable farming and, and you know, agriculture and all those different things. Um, you're clearly on a mission with the fund to have an impact on climate change. What do you see happening now in the world that is creating both ripples of impact in the positive way, but also ripples of impact that maybe are a little concerning to you. Mm. Like what, you know, as you, as you kind of look into the future, um, where does that start to land? And then where do you see your, your pebble? Like, where do you put, throw in your stones? And I, I mean, I think the answer is obviously Energis, yeah. right? It's obviously some, it relates to that, but I would, I'd love to hear the, the crypto that. universe is also a part of it because yeah. it's an entire investor base of people that care about climate and that, you know, can fund uh, and capitalize a green coin of different types. There can be many green coins. So there's a lot of climate change related 
um, projects and investing that can happen in the Web3 world, which is super exciting, mm-hmm. um, and blockchain as well. But where, where we fit is I look at it and I say, okay, governments can regulate. Governments can also show up at the Paris conference a few years ago and mm-hmm. sign the Paris Accord and commit to carbon emission reductions. <laughs> I was there. I, I spoke. I was also there. And, and I can assure you that while some of these governments are attempting to get there, there were no real punishments built into the agreement for if countries fail to do it. And mm-hmm. when geopolitical things happen, like Donald Trump getting elected, and then basically the United States taking four years off of fighting climate change, that has a ripple effect on other countries saying, well, listen, if the Americans you know, uh, doubled down on oil and gas, then why the hell am I decommissioning my coal plants and building solar? Um, some countries did. The smart ones did double down, but others decided to but some of them are feeling feeling like they're paying for it right like i mean decommissioning nuclear for example in germany has the impact of being super dependent on russian oil and now the challenges that come with that i mean there's so many but it also made germany which people don't think of as a very sunny country it made germany one of the number one countries in the world for solar Mm -hmm. so you know the germans were careful they looked at fukushima disaster in japan and they said we don't want that to happen here especially in the densely populated european continent Mm -hmm. um so i don't want to get too lost in specifically those weeds what i want to do is is kind of point your listeners to a very basic thing which is the way we create massive macro shifts in paradigm that are led by the private sector mm-hmm. at a speed that is required to solve this particular problem of global warming, of not getting to 2.5 degrees of temperature increase, mm-hmm. has been technology. The only proven way has been a robust tech economy of new solutions to make more efficient the various ways we do things. Mm-hmm. It happened in mobile and internet. Let's mm-hmm. call it, you know, to call it an overarching term, let's call it telecommunications. Yes. The speed at which we progressed from, you know, really slow 288 modems that would make that screechy noise to 4 and 5G lightning speed networks that can project a holographic image of a phone call Mm -hmm. the speed at which we achieved it is notable it took ultimately it took 10 15 years for the big gains to happen and let's say in 10 in 20 years 20 in the last 20 years Mm -hmm. major major shifts 20 25 years ago a website on the world wide web was a white piece of paper (laughs) with some text Mm -hmm. That was the experience. Mm -hmm. I'm going on the World Wide Web to look at a piece of paper with some text on a screen. Yeah. The transition to multimedia, to video, to audio, to animations, to telemedicine, to every other miraculous bandwidth requiring thing we do today that we take for granted happened in the blink of an eye. Technology is what made it happen. Innovation, engineers, startups, an ecosystem that funds it, an ecosystem, and I'm going to say this slowly, 
mm-hmm. an ecosystem that funds it while taking risk, mm-hmm. that understands that you cannot create the Facebooks of tomorrow without taking a risk. Everybody is an expert <laughs> afterwards. Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback. Absolutely. But if you get into the trenches and remember when Steve Jobs' leadership was being questioned. When right, beyond Mike, question, he was kicked out. Yeah, he was yeah. kicked out. And I received to my offices in my Israeli tech company the John Scully who replaced him. And I'll never forget the way he spoke disparagingly about Jobs. And I'll never forget my gut instinct was this is a bad dude. And we got to get rid of him because he's going to drive Apple way down. And mm. he did. And then they came back. We all know the story. Very famous. They came mm-hmm. back on their bended knee and mm-hmm. begged Jobs to come back. And he said, sure, as long as I can fire the board and take full control. So technology is where the rubber is going to meet the road. And yes, governments will play a role in paving the way for deregulation or a regulatory environment that can help renewables happen more quickly, that can set you know, um, the price of electricity at a reasonable rate, that can tackle agriculture. Agriculture is an not known by many people. People think of pollution. They don't think of agriculture. They think of... Biggest polluters. They think of cars. Yep. They think of smokestacks from, you know... Visible uh, visible trash or visible uh, environmental degradation. Exactly. What they don't realize Mm -hmm. is that the carbon footprint of growing growing our food Mm -hmm. in in a, you know, in a very populated planet, mm-hmm. becoming more so. Mm-hmm. Although I hesitate to use the word overpopulated because that's not true. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Energis is called Energis because we believe that there is the inner energy within the planet. All of the resources are needed to self-sustain. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Energis mm-hmm. within our planet. Mm-hmm. So when we think of agriculture, agriculture has a heavy carbon footprint, a head of romaine lettuce flying from California in a plastic bag on an airplane to land on the shelf devoid of any nutrients in, let's say, Montreal or New York makes no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So we need to bring the growing closer to the population centers. We need to power the growing by clean sources because Mm -hmm. in the exact same way that if the carbon footprint of creating the electric car is greater than the carbon savings of the electric car, then you can question, well, then why go electric, right? So you have to look at the supply chain all the way to the core energy used. Mm -hmm. Same thing in agriculture. If you're trying to do sustainable agriculture, then look at how you electrify your lights, your water, your air circulation, all of your power consumption and needs should come from clean sources. Um, And then how is it delivered? Mm -hmm. Is it delivered at long distances? Is it delivered using electric vehicles? How are they powered? If you can build a model for, and this is what we're building, we're building a large vertical farming project that is a model for multiple projects of other locations in other cities mm-hmm. if you can find a pro uh, a, um, a kind of a, a a template that is sustainable and and carbon negative mm-hmm. from 
the first part of the supply chain to the landing on your on your plate at home, you have a winning solution that takes care of 50% of the problem of, of global warming. 50% is agriculture. Mm-hmm. Same thing with food upcycling. We have a company called Still Good, which is a wonderful example of taking food that was going to get thrown out, go to landfill, contribute to methane emissions, and finally gets, you know, saved. So we take, you know, um, pulps from breweries and we turn those pulps into uh, flour, uh, can act as a standalone product, as a white label flour product, or can be a flour base for cookies and bars and granolas. Mm -hmm. We go to juice bars, we take those pulps. We've got a whole host of products that were upcycled, that were going to be thrown out. The company has very high margins. The company is growing its sales. Uh, we take 10% of proceeds and feed the hungry. Uh, during COVID, we even uh, did a campaign to donate thousands of boxes to the CHSLDs, the, the old um, people's homes mm-hmm. who were suffering like prisoners. And we had Quebecers put uh, customized love notes on each of the cookie boxes and got delivered, hey, hang in there, we're here with you, we love you, you'll be out soon. And, and they were so, so happy. So there's a lot of good and impact we can do, but agriculture is a major thing, as you know. Uh, as I very biasly, uh, well, as I know both from research, but also from, from just the practice you know, from the practice of learning um, and being incredibly humbled by farming um, and everything that goes with that. And also being humbled by the the process by which it requires, and like you said, in, in green tech and, and, and clean tech um, investing, it, it tends to be traditionally very capital intensive. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult to start a farm. And we don't have... We have education for so much stuff, but we don't really have education for farming, not at least at the scale that we need to. I don't think we have mentorship for farming in the best way. We used to through passing it down through, from generation to generation. Um, but now we've got a crisis of, uh, what well, I think it's like 85% of farmers are over the age of, of 55. Hmm. Or, or it's like 70-something are over the age of 55 and 85% are over the age of 45 or something like that. Like... There are very few young people getting into farming. There are very few people who understand where their food comes from. That actually opens the door for that, you know, void, that gap of of retiring farmers that aren't being replaced by young farmers. Um, It opens the door to the, um, you know, corporatization of farming. Well, it's more Monsanto. It's more. That's exactly what's happening. They're all getting acquired. It's more automation. It's more M and A. Like you say, there's going to be consolidation. So ultimately, if we're worrying about sustainability, well, the track records of sustainability practices of some of these companies is not stellar. <laughs> Putting it politely, yes. We need to get back. To, <laughs> we need to get back to basics, and and you need to be inspiring people with what you're doing at Valhalla. And the community aspect is important too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it has to go beyond sustainability at this yeah. point. I think sustainability is a is a is a great word, but it's not a comprehensive word at this point to what actually needs to happen, particularly in agriculture. And you know, the buzzword today is is regeneration or regenerative practices, regenerative farming. But the but what that looks like 
you know, I, I, Curious your thoughts on on you know maybe Elon's model. I was talking about it today. I wrote a little story about um, the value of brand and leadership as it plays into large scale problems. Like I think many of the times when we get into the conversation about clean tech or kind of saving the planet or all these things, we we almost like approach it as from a narrative that is like very communistic in, in or socialistic in nature. As if like, oh, we have to do this, but with no ego and no whatever, and we all have to come together. And like, that's kind of the Paris climate model mentality, which is fine and beautiful and it has its place. And there needs to be individual leadership and brand and like real ROI in terms of return on investment, not just ripple of impact there for the taking. And I think it is there. I mean, I think there's a huge opportunity to feed people more locally. I think there's a huge opportunity um, in the world of, regenerative farming i think and and also regenerative real estate um i think that there's massive capacity for brand and leadership to take hold in this particular market what is difficult about it and i think we're living now the big beginnings of this change is that food was so cheap and the supply chain was so Good, and I say good, not good in terms of like you mentioned earlier, uh, it, not nutrient rich necessarily. Good, yeah, but efficient, efficient, calories, yeah, ri- rich, right? We got calories from you know from the beef grown in Brazil to the lettuce grown in, in California to 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 the pineapples growing and wherever it is, right? Like, and we're somehow making all of that work. Yeah, but the second we started to see energy prices start to shift now russia ukraine we can blame it on that i think it has more to do with the fact that we printed so much money we can I, you know politics aside i i think and that's by the way that's a democrat and republican thing that is a left and right mm-hmm. thing that is not that is, every, that is we, both people printed everyone's we're, printed. we're living through hyperinflation right now uh, there is without no a debate <laughs> no no debate today the cpi numbers in, in america came out for the month of april 8.3 percent okay this is no point so, so, so let me let me try to make a point that I think a lot of people in your audience are going to re- really relate to, and they will have felt it in in the last two years of what's gone on. Mm-hmm. There are systems of control that are taking hold, mm-hmm. and we are being told that these systems of control are for our good. You know, they're they're for our greater safety good. protection for your protection for your safety for the greater good. You want to be a good citizen, don't you? Yeah. You don't want to be docked, you know, points for being a bad citizen, mm-hmm. do you? <laughs> With a menacing glance. Yeah. Um, but that's the direction of a very paternalistic yeah. system that is taking hold. I have Undeniably been involved so. in big business. I somehow got myself in situations where I was speaking in Davos at the World Economic Forum, the very Davos that all of these people on social media, you know, criticize, but none of whom have ever been there or even know what it looks like, I can tell you from the inside. And I can tell you from other, you know, communities like the Clinton Global Initiative, which would take place the annual meeting at the same time as the United Nations uh, General Mm -hmm. Assembly meeting in New York in September, Deliberately so he can get all the world leaders there and other such communities. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that this kind of we're trying to solve the world's biggest problems in this community 
is very much how it operates. Mm-hmm. It's not all nefarious. It's not all evil Bond villain plots. It's not all you know horrible people who just want to enrich themselves and control. It is partially such. But I'm getting there. Yeah. But it is partially such. Mm-hmm. And there is a double-edged sword. When you want to do good by setting up systems of control, you're going to kind of convince yourself to overlook all of the bad that, that comes with that. Yeah. Okay, All of the collateral damage of you know forcing people into little boxes mm-hmm. now we saw it with vaccines we saw it with the way that we managed a pandemic we saw it with correlating here in canada and quebec the number of beds in um an emergency mm-hmm. ward with the freedoms and liberties that people used to take for granted being taken away the problem is that people were having difficulty correlating those numbers like a thousand beds filled equaled eight million people in quebec being imprisoned it didn't make sense to a lot of people and they also felt very afraid to talk about it because Mm -hmm. if they came up publicly and spoke about it they would be either you know in trouble with their friends and family who believed fervently in the narrative or they would be called by the system um, you know, complotist. It would be called conspiracy theorists. All the way down to Nazis. I or mean, Nazis or whatever you want to call it. Every level of, of derogatory That's psychological it. operation type level. So yeah. not to get too deep into the of system course. of control of COVID and, and vaccine mandates and all of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It's a gateway drug mm-hmm. to a wider system of control because tomorrow's problem can be one that's very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Climate change could become something that we mandate in a strict ways how you live your life. Well, so some would say that that's happening. It's going to happen more when you have digital ID cards on your phones and you are traced and tracked. And yeah. you took a trip to Costa Rica. Oh, you have a higher carbon footprint. So we're going to deduct it points. I mean, there could be, I mean, it, I think it's inevitable that that's going to happen. I, I'm not saying I'm like it. Yeah, it's it, it's, it it's a happening. social credit system of sorts. People who you know hear that term and go, "Oh, that's so conspiracy." It's like, well, it's existing in China, and there's a it's lot of things definitely that are coming. In. So, when you bring up Elon, yeah. Elon is in a new wave of people pushing back on this whole thing. Going, there's a new wave of libertarianism. People that did not identify as libertarians per se. Yes. They may have been left of center. They may have been right of center. They may have been left or right economically or fiscally, but Mm -hmm. socially a little bit on the other side. Maybe they're more conservative socially. Maybe they're more liberal socially, but they're fiscally conservative. We have a mixed bag. Totally. But take away a person's freedoms, and all of a sudden you realize that you've got a whole new set of people realizing that's not okay. Mm-hmm. that they want to be free. Mm-hmm. Hence, you know, libertarianism as a, you know, as a growing trend. Mm-hmm. Hence, stronger pushbacks. If you look at the 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 Ottawa truck protest, mm-hmm. that was that was, you know, real muscle flexing. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at the, you know, if you looked at the, the government's reaction, <laughs> equally <laughs> real muscle flexing. I, I mean, so the tone I is actually, rising. Yeah, it definitely, I, I think they, they flex as hard as I've literally ever seen a Canadian government flex. I'll say that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think everybody needs to chill the fuck out mm-hmm. to come back to core principles. What makes me happy? My, I'm here to live a joyful life. I'm here for connection. 
I can't take the money to the grave. And, you know, I want to live freely. So that's why conscious communities like yours are popping up all around the globe. That's why people are moving to other places. There's migratory patterns that are happening now based on Usually where so. I can be freer, you know? Usually so. Yeah. And it's, it's just a trend, a macro trend, uh, you know, a really important one to notice mm -hmm. and to give yourself permission to have an opinion on mm -hmm. and to voice your opinion and to not be afraid. Mm -hmm. Well... I know we're, we're running out of time here, but I, I think it's just difficult for people to not get caught up into the weeds of all of it. And we are experiencing a inability to discern truth from fiction or truth from PSYOP or who's the good guy and who's the bad guy in every capacity. I mean... I, to me, somebody like Elon is doing a lot of things right. He's not doing everything right, but he's doing a lot of things right from where I stand. And I think that he, hate him or love him, is moving from a form of thinking and, a, and a, you know, first principles thinking and, and theory to all the way to, I, I mean, I think what he's doing with Twitter is brilliant. I, I think it's beyond brilliant for so many reasons. Um, and yet, we, as we're losing our freedom, at the same time, we are trusting less and less and less the system and then running and saying, okay, well, where can we find freedom now? Maybe it's in crypto. But then there's the criticism of, well, crypto has much more centralization than people think. And so we're just in like a weird shuffle and add in rising food pricing um, housing pricing, cars, energy. I mean, this environment that I think is going to create a need for more socialite, socialism-like, communistic-like um, support systems, but then come with like a loaded gun. Like, oh, well, you want this apple over here? Well, here's the razor in it, but you kind of need the apple, don't you? Yeah. Right? I think that, that like we've set up through nefarious reasons, again, one world government conspiracy or not, somehow we are naturally and or artificially getting to a state that I think is pretty, pretty challenging. And like, I, I look, I, I, over the last few years have really found more joy. I feel like I'm, I'm turning the curve on like getting away from this martyr mentality or mm. hero. I, I want to bring you back somewhere though. Yeah. The very, very wealthy man who has all of the capabilities in the world, who lives in the prison of his own making and the prison of his own mind. Indeed. The, you know, the man, the Italian man in life is beautiful. That movie mm -hmm. who is enslaved by a Nazi concentration camp, mm -hmm. but is in, the joy and euphoria of the tree changing with the seasons, of the love of his child, of the dance and of the singing. You can be enslaved or you can be free in your own body, in your own mind. After that, send your energy out, connect with others, you know, be in community, share your light. But you're responsible 
for your own freedom or enslavement. No one can take that power away from you. Mm. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think it's the... Uh it's where we end. I mean, unless you have anything else, anything else you want to add or where people could find you. I mean, they know where the links are and all that stuff, but you can put the links just yeah. full gratitude. Mm. You can come to my Instagram. You can find me on our website. You can, you can you, just, you definitely find them at a breathwork session in Montreal. Yeah, I'll you tell can you that. Find me at a breathwork <laughs> session at the sanctuary tonight. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a really cool one where I'm starting a new concept of combining entrepreneurship mentorship mm -hmm. with a manifestation breathwork. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time that we're bringing those two Merging things the two together. Worlds. It's going to be really interesting. Mm. Um, or you'll just find me riding my electric bike around Montreal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I deeply appreciate your words of wisdom. I deeply appreciate um, just the perspective you can bring from both sides of, of this equation. And, and, and also back to just like, as we can ramp up the fear, ramp up the feeling, just right back down to the breath, right back down to the, the here and now kind of thing. Thanks, Appreciate brother. It. You know where the links are.